30 deals a year. 30 deals a year. Should we start it off like that? 30. <laughs> 30. <laughs> um, yeah, we're with Brady Efting, and we were talking about how he's done like 27 deals, and this is his first year to not do what? 30 30 deals. 30 yeah. deals. Oh yeah. Pretty consistent doing 30 every year. Thank you for joining us, Brady. Yeah, hey, you're welcome. Yeah. Um, Brady is an alchemy group. Um, I was going to say member, but you're one of the founding, what do you guys call it? Principles? So principles. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here at Keller Williams Integrity, uh, that's the group. Lauren is on, obviously, so you two know each other well, and uh, you've been a very successful real estate agent for, you said, seven years. Yes? Seven years. Beautiful. Started in 2015. Started in 2015 and kind of had an interesting journey. You started at this office, you left for a while, and here you are back. Exactly right. So um, what was your genesis like getting into the business? Uh, so when I graduated college back in 2004, I moved up to the Vale Valley eventually, uh, where my dad was a city manager for years in Avon. So it was kind of home, not really home, but somewhat home. And then uh, so after college was like, hey, political science degree doesn't give you a whole lot. Uh, um, landed up in Vail and applied for a job as a paralegal at a real estate law firm. During my time working at the para- as a paralegal, I saw a lot of successful agents that I realized that although they were successful, they didn't have much in regards to a skill set that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just trying to figure out what I could do. Um, fast forward, I worked there for five years. Wasn't quite ready to be a real estate agent myself at that point. Didn't have the maturity level, in my own opinion. So I went to be a school teacher in Denver for six years. Um, taught here in Denver as a social studies teacher at a, at a school uh, called the Denver Center for International Studies. And then after six years, kind of got burnt out and rolled into real estate. Um, at that point, um, jumped into real estate at Keller Williams and uh, joined a team that was here at that point. They were doing a lot of internet leads. And uh, that's kind of how I got my start in real estate. Why Keller Williams? Yeah, no, so Keller, um, I guess what is interesting about re- uh, real estate is it's all about relationships. So I knew an agent that worked here. Um, he was starting a team at that point. And I guess in some ways I was pretty ig- like ignorant to like how real estate offices worked. I had a guy that was offering me a position on his team. I looked at that as like, wow, he's giving me a job. Um, mm-hmm. The truth is, as you know in real estate, that most brokerages will take you if you have a pulse at some point. Um, <laughs> but I do like the fact that Keller, so so that all that was true. And then at the same point, Keller was also all about training and helping you get started in a, as a, you know, I didn't really realize, I guess, what like it meant to like run your own business. Mm-hmm. But Keller was offering all sorts of training and coaching. And um, it just seemed like a nice landing spot for sure. How was your start? Like when you got here, did you, you immediately joined a group? And how did that go? Yeah, no, I remember thinking back, um, I don't know how anyone would start this without joining a team. It just blew my mind that that would be a possibility. I, I think that I, um, there was so much about real estate that I didn't know. And yeah. so the team gave me a like a foundation on how to start running a business. Now, I knew how to like write contracts. I knew, I knew from my time as a paralegal, I knew all about like what a contract and all that, all the amendments looked like at a pretty high level at that point. But I had zero idea about what the business was and how I would start to get my own clients. So the team made sense to me because we were buying leads. Um, You know, I'd left my job as a teacher and I had about three months of pay that I was getting from that position. And I knew I had about three months to make it then in this industry. So the best Mm -hmm. way for me to do it was hit the phones, work Mm -hmm. hard, call those leads, follow up with them. And uh, 
I did have my first closing about three or four months after I started. So wow. um, met my goal of not, you know, of, of, I met my goal of having like zero months without pay. Yeah. So that's awesome. How was that hitting the phones and doing that? I mean, that's a pretty traditional cold calling, right? Con expireds and FISBOs and stuff like that. Is that what you were doing? So yes to that, but not to, to that degree. So this team was just getting started on an expansion model okay. um, out of Arizona, and they were spending heavily on pay-per-click leads. Okay. Um, but the question is, is the same. How was it? Hard. Yeah. <laughs> Humbling. Mm-hmm. Um I remember the first days of making those phone calls, just leaving the office and almost in tears because mm-hmm. it's just the most humbling thing to go from a profession where you are respected and you've, you you know you have this belief about yourself. You're as a teacher, you're changing the world and doing these things. To then getting on the phone two days later, three days later, I left my job. The last day of school was a Friday. My first day on the on the phone was a Monday. Wow. And uh, you know you have people hanging up on you. You have people telling you to f off. Yeah. Um, you're the fourth effing realtor that's called me in the last five minutes. Go yeah. f yourself. Ooh. It's like Jesus. Like this is a. So the, I guess the answer is humbling. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And something I don't actually, I see all these agents get into real estate and it's one of those things that actually, I don't think that people quite understand is like that humility piece you have to like have. And I didn't realize quite that I needed to like be humbled, but like there was a, a piece of it that was really, really hard for me to stomach. And it was hard for the first seven or eight months, mm-hmm. harder than I would have ever thought. That was the hardest part for me is like that failure every day when yeah. you're trying to use to some sort of level of success. Right. Um, but I just remember that first, you know, four months was real hard. Then you have your first transaction or so, but then there's not another one for a month or two. Yeah. But you're working every day and you're just going home, just beat up mm-hmm. with nothing to show for it. So mm-hmm. I just remember those first five, six, seven months being really, really challenging to my to my ego, I guess. Yeah. Did you, teaching, you built a sphere, I assume, and connections within the Denver metro area. Did you have a lot of sphere-based business your first year, or was it mainly just hitting the phones, and that's kind of where you got your deals? Uh, you know, initially, so yes, there was some sphere, sphere deals that came in. In fact, my first transaction was a former student who referred me to her mom. Oh, nice. um, so that was super cool. So I've, I realized that like these students, um, I always looked at them as like real people anyways. Mm-hmm. They're young people in society. We often, our school super empowered kids, and mm-hmm. I empowered kids as much as I could as well. So to me, they were just younger people. Um, but there was able to, they were able to connect with their parents and I'd built relationships with their parents as well over like five years at the same school, six years at the same school. Um, but I would say the majority of my business, my first three years, the majority, probably 75% was from the internet, from the team leads. Yeah. Mm. Um, then there was that 25% or so that was coming in from, um, from the internet leads. Okay. Yeah. So you talked about the first six, seven months, how tough it was. How did, what happened from there? You know, at that point I remember, so I got started in June of 2015 and at around Christmas break. So right around now, but around Christmas break of 2015, I had gone back to my old school to, to visit and they'd actually offered me my old job back. And I was Mm. like, "Mm, that's cool. Except for, I thought like the students would just, I actually I was mostly worried about the students just ripping me for leaving and coming back. <laughs> yeah. um, so I remember the weighing that option. And then it turns out in January the next year, things just kind of all the work that I had done started to pay off. 
So I had come in pretty religiously and pretty consistently hitting those phones. Mm-hmm. Um, saw right saw in that time period in those six months that a lot of people come into this industry and they just don't have the. I wouldn't know if it's work ethic or the desire or something, but there was plenty of people coming in and failing out and not being able to make those calls. And I think that I was just so desperate to make it that I just kept showing up and showing up mm-hmm. and showing up. But I started to see come January of 2016 that those results were starting to pan out with a couple of closings in January, maybe mm-hmm. three closings in February. And then from that point forward, it was an average of three transactions per year for the next three or four or five years up till up till really now, I guess, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. so per month. Yeah. Wow. Um, amazing. Yeah, that is that is very wild. How long did you stay on, on the team? So I worked on uh, two different teams in my first three years. So okay. the first year there was a group called, I, I can use names, right? Yeah, sure. Cool. So the first team was a team called uh, Group 4610. They're based out of Arizona. Really okay. good dudes that ran that team. Um, they left Keller Williams to go to EXP. And, ah, a, and at that point, I wasn't ready to go to EXP. Mm-hmm. They, they had to make a business decision for themselves. Sure. And they decided to go to EXP. Um, for me, uh, for what it just didn't feel right. Um, I just didn't know enough about it. And they tried to educate us on why they were going and why we should come with them. Right. But it just didn't feel right. But then at the same point, um, I wasn't ready to be on my own as an agent. Um, at least I didn't think so. I didn't have the... I didn't have the confidence level for whatever reason, so I joined up with a team called the, the Barta Group, which is mm-hmm. a team here at our office. Uh, worked with them for a year before I realized that I was ready to go on my own and do my own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you're doing that many transactions, uh, why why did you not feel like you were ready to go on your own? Because you were getting all those leads, basically? Well, I think there's a point that every team has to keep providing enough value to mm-hmm. their agents, and if they don't, that agent's just going to leave. And I think what ended up happening was that inevitable like switch where my business was mostly referral-based at that point, and the team splits just weren't worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I would never – everyone should take their own path into real estate. I would do the same right. path every single time. I would, mm-hmm. never have cut, I would never go back in time and say, oh, I could have been an independent agent right away and, been, and I would have been better off for it. Mm-hmm. Like It just wasn't the path I was – I just didn't see it as an option, and I still don't. Now, mm-hmm. I know some people will. I'm, I'm sitting next to people doing this interview that have taken different routes, mm-hmm. um, finding success. But for me, that just wasn't something that I would I would, I would I would do the exact same thing again. For sure. Yeah. 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 And like you said, it just inevitably, once it does switch and, you know, all the business is coming from you, um, yeah, maybe it's time to make a change. Yeah. Totally. And just to add to that, I mean, all these clients that these that I was meeting through the team, you know, at the end of the day, we all have our agreements we sign with teams and we should live up to those. But mm-hmm. these clients don't look at me or look at the team as their real estate agent. They look right. at me. So I realized like, hey, I should just go to work for a team that's going to help me get business. And for the first two or three years, they're going to take a cut, uh, whatever that may be. But after that, those clients are mine. Mm-hmm. They're referring me people. So if I could take my data, if I could go from 12 transactions my first year or so to 30, 36, 40 transactions, that's just a much bigger footprint into the real estate world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so short term up front, there was a negative of, you know, losing 50% or so of your transactional split. But later on down the road, it's just a benefit. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you, you still have, I mean, is that still how you run your business today? That sphere, that those relationships? Yeah, I would say that, you know, from a lot of those people that I met online, not only are clients still today, but they're actually friends that mm-hmm. refer quite a bit of business. Um, some of my, my wife and I's closest friends are people that I met through a random internet lead wow. that uh, 
yeah, I mean, it really just turned into a wonderful relationship. That's so crazy. Yeah. That just says a lot about who you are, though, and your character, just because I feel like at some points it's easy for them just to be leads and for them to be mm-hmm. transactions. But no, for you, it's something more. And Yeah, I mean, I'd always felt like the, the cool thing about real estate in general is no matter where, who these people are, where how you're meeting them through a referral from a friend or a family member or they are a friend or family or they're an Internet lead is we're all I really look at it is I, I'm making a relationship right. um, and I enjoy being around people for the most mm-hmm. part. And yeah. so, um, but yeah, breaking down those barriers really pretty quickly is something you have to do if you're doing internet leads or, I mean, but even if you're like working with your a referral from your parents, mm-hmm. like you better make that relationship a yeah. personal relationship pretty quickly or you're going to go someplace else. So yeah, I, right. in some ways it's not any different. It's just how you're meeting them. Yeah. So sense. I'm interested in your process on that because you've been wildly successful uh, doing that. So how do you foster, you know, not only build those relationships, but okay, once it closes, once the deal closes, right? What do you do? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I think going back to the beginning on that, I mean, I think just being authentically yourself mm. uh, when you're meeting with people and being an open book and sharing um, a lot about who you are helps them get comfortable. And then through the home buying process, the cool thing about being a buyer's agent at that point at any point is it's fun, right? Mm-hmm. They're not paying you. Um, you're, they're, you're getting paid by the seller and the seller's agent. Um, and so there's really not that much pressure. Well, there's a lot of pressure. You don't have to find their house, but there's not a financial pressure that they can see right away. Right. Yeah. And so, um, it's about having a good time with them, let being, you know, being organized, prepared, letting them enjoy the home buying process, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, from there, you know, it usually takes what, three, four, five, six weeks to buy it, find a house, maybe eight weeks, maybe 10 weeks, mm-hmm. maybe a year. So you really get to like see them quite often, which you're probably seeing them more often than almost anybody besides their coworkers, right. probably more than their spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pretty easy to make a relationship at that point. Um, Afterwards is a challenge though, right? So some clients are really receptive to staying in touch and other mm-hmm. clients, they're not, they're not receptive. Their life just gets really busy. So, yeah. um, how do you foster it? I think that the truth is you just have to keep doing your systems, which is those follow-ups, those holiday drop-bys. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're doing pie events or if you're doing quarterly events and then getting them set up on some auto, um, some information on their house every like month or so, those are the ways. But, um, I just, again, just being, I guess, being systematized on that. It's okay. the only way because there's just no time in the day to like really, to like stay on top of everybody. Right. Yeah. Especially yeah. when you're doing 30 deals. 30 deals. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so to that end, and you don't have to go into detail because I'm sorry, I'm peppering you with questions because I'm very interested. What's your day to day? What's your day like? Uh, you know, if I'm dialed in, um, doing it uh, the right way, it is coming to work at eight o'clock or so, nine mm-hmm. o'clock and, um, doing all of those tasks that I need to be doing mm-hmm. in that first two or three hours of the day. There's no way. Um, I just have not found a, a way to actually use my afternoons very effectively when it comes to actually working on my business. Yeah. Okay. I've found that lately too. Yeah. And yeah. Spe- it's, you hard. Know, yeah. it's hard. It's hard. So, you know, I think those, those first morning hours are really important. Um, you know, in the afternoons we can be out showing houses, um, you know, doing other things we work on our business, but I think those first, those morning hours are the most important to be working on those tasks that are actually going to generate business for you. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think my thing, right. And kind of why Sam and I were interested in having you on is kind of your journey because you started here at Keller Williams Mm -hmm. and then you left and you went to compass and now you're back. 
So can you just kind of run us through that whole process? Yeah. So when I left Keller Williams back in eight, 2018, 2018, um, I was leaving the, the Barta group at the same point. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question. Did you feel like you had to like leave the brokerage too, in addition to leaving the group? Or was it just like you knew that you wanted to go to a different brokerage? So the the office and the, the group would never make that say, like, I, I know that the, uh, the team Brendan, the owner of the mm-hmm. office at that point, as well as the owner of the Barter Group, he would not. He did not want me to leave the office. It wasn't like, hey, if you're leaving, you have to yeah, go. Sure. Yeah. Um, in fact, that that the I think Keller Williams is doing a really good job now of trying to say, hey, if you ever want to leave a team, you could stay in the brokerage, and we're here to support you. Right. For me, at that point, though, um, I think there was so much pressure building on me that I could. Pro- I knew. I knew. I knew I needed to go out on my own. I knew I needed to take a chance on myself. I didn't want to have like the pressure of other people looking at my business under a microscope. So I was needing a break from, mm. um, because I knew if I left the team, all those people that were on the team would still see my numbers here at Keller <laughs> yeah. and be able to say, is Brady making it or is he not? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I was just like, you know, I don't want to deal with that kind of like weird oversight. And it's one of the weird things about Keller is like the, how public the numbers are. In fact, mm-hmm. I don't like that all about Keller. So Gary <laughs> Keller, if you're listening, like, like we, could, we, could, we could change. I'm, pre- I'm sure you are. Uh, we, could, we, could, we could change that uh, about the culture. Um, but anyways, when I decided to leave, um, I made a pretty quick decision on w- to leave. Um, mm-hmm. I knew I was building up to leaving the team. There was various reasons for that. Um, I mean, I don't know. They're not nothing. Whatever. There's just a reason to leave to go out and do your own thing. It just felt like I needed to be on a new brokerage. And then, so Compass, uh, new sexy brokerage coming into Denver. I had mm-hmm. uh, most everything about real estate is relationships. And so even when I ended up at Compass. Um, a couple of good friends in the industry uh, had gone over there as some of their first agents to join Compass. Mm. And um, what I wanted when I was landing someplace is to have a place where I at least knew people that I could trust and like yeah. have a relationship with. And um, so that was really important on Compass. Also, Compass, to their credit, like they really have a nice platform. They have great office space. They have like their online platform and presence is really better than anything I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um they're really, really great um, in regards to that. And in fact, I don't have anything negative to say about them at all. Um, I found after two years of being there that it just was more expensive than I wanted to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that the, that I was getting quite what I um, wanted out of it. And I was mm-hmm. kind of in like a middle middleman. Middle, I was in the middle ground over there. So although I was like producing at a super high level in my eyes, um, in their eyes, they have some real heavy hitters that that's who they really love on. It felt like, and they were getting pretty good splits. Um, Whereas my splits were kind of like stuck in the middle there where I was, I just wasn't seeing the value. Yeah. 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 I do think they have tremendous branding. I'm a big fan of how consistent everything is. It is very sexy. It all looks awesome. I agree. Yeah. I I miss it. Yeah. I believe, (laughs) well, I think that's something we could do a better job of because you can, I remember getting in, um, I have a background in uh, sports marketing Mm -hmm. a while ago and the the brand standards um, with an athletics department, I was in college sports at the time, are so strict. Here's what you can do and here's what you cannot do to withhold that brand. So nobody can just go around sort of bastardizing Mm -hmm. what it looks like and i remember coming here and just being like okay where do we get this from they're like wherever here's the logo just put it wherever and i'm kind of like okay (laughs) right the one you're getting access to isn't even like enough pixels to like do anything with and yeah 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 i think we could i think that's an area we could improve a lot by having more consistency there yeah i don't understand that is the one thing i don't understand about on keller so 
the the frustration is a lot of people work here and don't use their systems. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like that weird elephant in the room that you know, a lot of the heavy teams, the big teams here aren't using the systems in, as intended. Mm-hmm. Whereas at Compass, like everything just worked. Mm. And so the question was like when I was leaving, like when I was like, okay, so, so I guess the question is how did I come back here? Yeah. So, the, yeah. the, so Compass was doing great um, for me with systems and everything. Like they were, I was really just clocking and doing, doing well, but they were going to ask for, well, essentially like you get your contract there and then the contract ends and you're kind of in a different situation with them. And that's okay. It wasn't like a bad situation. It wasn't usury or anything. It just didn't, it did feel a little bit like uh, you're pulling the rug out from underneath you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because they promise a lot up front financially. And then they don't offer that anymore after their first year or two, which is, they were clear about that. Mm-hmm. Now, whether I listened to that or not is a different story. Sure. Um, but they were pretty consistent about that with everybody. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, relationships are so important in this industry. So Jennifer Lee, who works here in the office here at Keller, she had just been hounding me for six, seven, eight months to come back to the office, come back to the office, be on this team with her and two other agents and like have four principals and we'll figure out our direction at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I started looking at the numbers and what we could negotiate here as a team cap, as well as hiring a full-time admin, admin mm-hmm. and having some of those supports that I was, because I was a solo agent at, at Compass on my own, taking care of everything. Yeah. So when it was brought up to come back here to have a full-time admin, to have four agents paying that admin, you know, offsetting the costs, um, it eventually just started to make a lot more sense. Compass was um, going to stay ex- expensive. And I was like, okay, well, even if I do three or four or five deals less a year, it still makes more sense to me be a Keller. Sure, sure, sure. If you look at the money you're actually bringing home. Yeah. yeah. How's it been since being back? You know, it's been a nice transition. So I do think that this office in particular has a really great culture. Um, they do. I think that it's what I like about it. What I'm seeing different is the culture initially at Keller. I think that they do spend a lot of energy on training new agents, which is good for that agent. But there's always this middle. There's always this. They don't do. A, I wouldn't say that. I actually I've never I never saw the opportunities to go and be trained as a like a mid-level or higher-level agent when I was here initially. But that's mm-hmm. part of it was probably my lens. When I'm coming back in, though, I see that there are people that are striving to help those agents that are, like, top producers or have been in for seven or eight years on how to make their business consistent and, and reput- you know, to keep, like, repeating it. Because mm-hmm. the truth is, like, after seven years, like, this job is hard. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like, it's just, like... Yeah. How are you still standing? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So you, like, you think, like, how do you, like, find these other avenues? And I haven't done a great job at that. But it is a hard, hard industry. It takes a lot of... It takes a lot out of you as a, a person. Some days it's be on the road all the time. Mm-hmm. It takes like uh, from your wife or your your husband, your mm-hmm. kids. Right. This is the same with everything. So, um, but it is a hard industry. It's very. Mm-hmm. It can. It's still after seven years. It definitely. It definitely weighs on you at times. Yeah. Now, uh, being part of a group and having those shared resources has that made that easier, or has starting this and having that whole other, not burden, but essentially time suck, been harder. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess the honest truth is like the that the time suck probably has derailed me from a few transactions up front. Not that I was like leaving transactions out there saying all the time, but I don't. I think I wasn't quite doing the exact same activities I should be to generate business because I was spending time working on the team. Um, and at the same point, uh, my wife and I we moved down from Inglewood down into Highlands Ranch, so I added about another thirty-five minutes to my commute a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that short term, the the team getting things started is going to be 
of course, I mean, it's inevitable, right? Like if you're starting something new, you're going to take something off your plate. And mm-hmm. I think that that definitely has cost me a few transactions here or there. But the idea is like, at the end of the day, here's the, the, the truth though. So our, this is not a fun industry to be on your own all the time. Mm-hmm. You just find yourself on an island. Mm-hmm. The idea is to find that level of success that you can be at and uh, to do it year over year over year and be comfortable and have that happy level of growth. I think there's so many weird things that in this industry that we compare ourselves on numbers and this, this, and that. And it's really, really unhealthy. And so I think that being on the team, the idea is like, it's all like a kind of a growth maturity in my own life that I don't have to chase that high number every year. Although saying that, not hitting your goals every year sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so I kind of lost track of where that question was going there. Well, but yeah, you're, you're moving into more, I mean, you, into an ownership role, mm-hmm. right? You have an ownership stake in this team. So like you, you said, maybe transitioning, I think hopefully is what I'm hearing to a place that's less hamster wheel. I need to hit all these transaction numbers to having more passive income or, or building something else that's a different business opportunity. I would say that second part really makes sense. I mean, I think that ideally we have we hire the right agents and that there is some passive income there. Mm-hmm. Um, hi, Lauren. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, the truth is, like, that's never really been what this is about. So the way that this whole team is set up with four principles, there's not a – if that was the goal of this, it would be the stupidest business model to have any sort of – you know, so um, that's not really that – so if I, if I ever wanted to really have passive income from a bunch of agents on a team, I think I would have to go out and do my own thing. The efting group. Yeah, the efting yeah. group. It doesn't yeah. really roll off <laughs> the tongue or anything, but um, you'd have to kind of do that. So the, the idea behind this team really was like come together. We all have costs on this. We all have expenses. Like let's just mitigate those as much as we can and live these lives we want. So if I can take my com- my costs and divide it by four, yeah. Um, I'm ahead of the game already as it is. Yeah. And so there really is – and so then having agents come on board is really cool all of us that are like leaders or principals of the team, we're all teachers, we're all educators in the past in some way. And so it really is just a natural progression. Everyone's giving anyways on the team. I mean, Janine is the LP, mm-hmm. giving every day. Jennifer, Jessica, they're all giving. Mm-hmm. So we might as well like bring it in house and systematize it a little bit and see if we can help other people grow their business. Yeah. So I think the whole, there is really a true altruism to the Alchemy Group. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not really financial because again, financially it doesn't make any sense. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so saying that is kind of like, well, what are you doing? It makes some sense, though, because, like I said, we cut our costs in by four. And if I can reduce all my costs by four, I have a Jessica Davis is an amazing admin mm-hmm. um, director, whatever we want to call her, just running yeah. this team. She's totally legit. So I cut my costs. I get great relationships and support. And, you know, end of the day, it's a good thing. And I will say very nice branding. Mm, that is the thing. Yes. So that is the thing. So the yes. Alchemy Group really has like done mm-hmm. a good job at like branding themselves, and it wasn't something we'd spend a lot of time on because I think everyone, as you start something new, you want to spend all this time like being, like spending way too much time branding. Mm-hmm. We spent probably the proper amount of time, but it was really important too because leaving Compass, one of the things for me was like, I thought Keller like the the, the way that they, you could design your own team logos and this this and that like. It often comes out looking like I'm like a high school student made it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oftentimes like, they probably do. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it was important that we like brought that same elevated level that Compass delivered mm. to Keller. Now yeah. I think mm-hmm. Keller I, again, this is not a knock on Keller. Keller just allows people to grow their own business any way they want. Yeah. But I don't think their standards are probably high enough in that mm-hmm. in regards to that. It's almost too much freedom. Freedom's great to have. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is not a negative one. I mean it's it's a yeah, it's not a negative on Keller's. It's a reality. Some people just mm-hmm. have a different vision that it's like, is that really 
your vision. Right. The great <laughs> part is that you can do whatever you want. The bad part is that you can do whatever you want. Well said. Yeah. Well said. I wish I would have said it that way. <laughs> so putting on the spot, what's been your favorite thing about being a principal on a group and what's like your least favorite part? Mm. Lauren's one of these. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, th- I, I would honestly say the, the, the worst, the best and the worst is also the, is the same thing. So mm-hmm. creating systems that are like, can be just repeated over and over again. Mm-hmm. Systems that if I leave the alchemy group or if Lauren leaves the alchemy group, like we're probably going to steal and take with us. Mm-hmm. Those are things that are really, really cool. Yeah. The amount of time to build those is a lot more time intensive than I thought it would be. Uh. Um, so I would say that the, the good and the bad is the same thing almost that mm-hmm. these systems are going to be really cool. And it's hard. It's really hard to actually figure out what you're doing to run your business. And you have to put it on paper. You're like, Oh, that's what I do. That's what I do. That's what I do. And then merging four or five people's ideas into that. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, um, it's really been valuable for that to actually see what these systems are. Um, but it's been really a time. It's been a big time suck for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How much time do you think that you've spent? Jeez. Because it's mainly you and the principals, right? And you guys meet every Monday. Well, the Monday meetings are pretty... Monday meetings... Oh, I don't know. Maybe 70, 80 hours on designing these things. It adds up quickly. So it it goes from like the Monday meetings, but then you have like a lot of meetings up in certain weeks when we were starting where we'd be together for four or five hours at a time. Mm. And that's where the other things kind of fall on the wayside, right? Right. Um, Where you're not following up with not really following up but checking in with your people where those mm-hmm. referrals could have came from and stuff yeah so i would say though yeah that the biggest thing so i was at a at a mastermind uh two weeks ago uh regional thing here in keller and the guy was the, the gentleman leading it russ was talking mm-hmm. about how do people like the market's shifting right now mm-hmm. and how are people going to come together to like or how people are going to like survive mm-hmm. And I think the one thing that I would encourage a lot of people to do is to find those people they want to run with and come together and try to figure out ways to, to like save money. Mm-hmm. Whether it's if you already have admins, if you already have like, if you want to grow, start a team together, like not the time to spend. And my point, I guess, is one of the best ways to get through this is to like mitigate your costs. Mm-hmm. And there's probably ways you can do that by finding those people you trust in the industry. Yeah. And so the Alchemy Group has provided that structure already. So we were kind of ahead of the game on that where we could reduce our costs up front. Mm-hmm. So we're not quite we're not, we're not spending as much money as we would have been on our own yeah right interesting was yeah. it hard going from like individual back to a group or have you enjoyed that transition i've enjoyed it um it hasn't been hard i mean these are people we all need people in this industry we need relationships and yeah. so if you can find a way that economically makes sense too um that that has been a good thing so all the agents that are on the team in general, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's the principals or the agents have been become people that I trust in this industry to like with just like a sounding board for ideas or need help with showings or contract questions. So system, so bringing those people in house has been really, it makes a lot of sense. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I don't have any regrets joining the team, like creating the team, joining the team, leaving compass. Um, it is weird that when you leave brokerages, for the first like two or three months, you like stay in touch with those people like you used to do. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it just fades away. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like your yeah. text yeah. groups like change and like you're no longer, no longer going to the same people right. um, with contract questions and stuff. Right. It just inevitably changes. It just changes. Yeah. Cause yeah. you're not surrounded by them daily. Right. 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 Your circumstances are just naturally different. Yeah. And I, my compasses are literally a, a half mile that way. Uh-huh. And yeah. uh, you know, I, it's not like I'd, physically that's separated from them yeah i mean i guess we are in our different offices and but it's just weird it's real weird yeah, yeah. 
interesting we we do too want to talk about clothes so um you have a very a very kind of casual fun <laughs> yet still professional style one of the first things lauren said to me before i even knew who you were she's like i really like his style <laughs> sorry maybe i shouldn't have said it. you didn't I say mean, it in that breathy can voice we just say like <laughs> We say Janine's the reason I joined the Alchemy Group, but honestly, Brady had a really big influence. Is it really Brady on yeah. me joining? Not because of your style. I think but it's partially because partially, of your style. Partially, yeah. but also just your approach to it. I mean, you and I sat down in my office quite a bit and just had conversations of what it would look like mm-hmm. and what it would mean to join the group. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we touch on style, I just want to mm-hmm. say thank you for those conversations because he was kind of the reason. I mean, I joined because mm. one of my main things was pride, right? Mm. Like, oh, Lauren Sanchez, those are my numbers on the board. Those yeah. are that's yeah. what I'm doing. Like, it's me. Like, I have control over everything. Mm-hmm. And then he just really laid it out to and everything that you've said, right? Like, who cares about the numbers? Do business who you enjoy doing business with. Yeah. And it's been so much fun. Yeah. I mean, definitely some pain points for me, but like. I think that's just part of it, right? You're, well, you're going to lose a little bit, and that ego thing that we all yeah. have, even if we don't want to admit we have it, right. is uh, is real. Like I, I'm, I'm sure I've lost. I, I'm sure there's a piece of me that has felt the same way, mm-hmm. you know. But um, no, it, in general, like I guess the thing is, it's a maturity level. I think as a 41 year old dude, I finally am to that point in my life where I can have a little bit less ego. But yeah. I don't think I would have been ready for this. I'm, Maybe five years ago. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. You know, yeah. I remember having that conversation with myself a number of times where it's like, I just don't think I'm ready to not be an individual agent. Mm-hmm. I, and probably some of that is, is ego. And then like, I like doing things the way but I But ego's like healthy too, right? So yeah. part of this is like ego is a healthy thing that helps yeah. us set those goals and those standards that we want for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, that has been a weird thing though. So I feel like as I've kind of like let that kind of a, like a little bit of aggressive likeness go like uh-huh. that ego kind of pushing you mm-hmm. to find that hunger still to keep producing uh. so i want i'm trying to balance it out right now like as our market is shifting and there's not as many active buyers and sellers yeah. like it's okay to have like less like ego and try not to think of everything monetarily mm-hmm. but like at the same point like you better get working son yeah <laughs> so. you better find something yeah exactly. totally that pushes you to do that i feel like that, oh, the style right style. okay so okay. on this on this i feel like my my answer might actually be different than what it would have been like three or four months ago. oh, oh. months okay oh. so do you guys ever listen to uh colin coward he's a talk show host a sports mm-hmm. talk show host so he always talks about like if he was like to hire have, if he was in charge of an nfl team he wouldn't hire backwards hat wearing guy as his quarterback Mm. which I've always thought to be a completely bullshit way of looking. Like, cause I wear my hat backwards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you're running hot, it's easy to be casual guy. Mm-hmm. And when things get tough, sometimes casual guy, even if he is no different than like buttoned up guy, mm-hmm. sometimes people look at you differently is mm-hmm. what I've, is, I, I, I believe that to be true. Yeah. Now, so my, 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 the way that has shifted for me in the last three or four months is things have gotten, tighter in our market as mm-hmm. things have changed is like it's okay to be casual but you better be the best version of that casual guy love that so yeah. you know love show that. up mm-hmm. be you know super you, but you better you better not have you know pizza stains on your shirts right mm-hmm. like i've always been a guy that can wear like a sports coat with a t-shirt a pair of jeans in the summer wearing shorts you know mm-hmm. some vans uh, whatever it is but like you better still be put together with that mm-hmm. right. and so um i don't know if that's really changed but i think i realize it more like you mm-hmm. better 
you better show up the best version of yourself. And if yourself is casual guy, be casual guy. But at the same point, like casual guy better have like a, an elevated Come version together. of that. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Be professional in that. Yeah. Totally. Whatever and, that is. And I don't think, so I, I things haven't changed except for I'm more aware of it. Cause I when see. the things are hot, well, you can get away with it. out of your ears. <laughs> you're like, oh, <laughs> you can kind of get away with it a little <laughs> bit more. From bed. But as things kind of shifted, it's like, okay, give you, you're going to have limited at bats. So you better mm-hmm. be yourself, mm-hmm. but you better like, uh, but don't give them a reason to say no based on your, uh, you okay. know, the way you dress. But at the same point, like if I show up wearing a suit and a tie, I'm going to have just as many people say like, I'm going to deselect from that guy as well. It's a good point. <laughs> you know, it's like, a good point. like yeah. this, this is the way you show up. Does it? Yeah. You know, Our, yeah, I have plenty of people that if I was showing up wearing a suit and tie, they would, maybe they would have worked with me. Maybe they wouldn't have, but it would have felt totally different. I would have mm-hmm. been, I would have been fake every single time. Yeah. So I just yeah. found that like, you better be yourself. Mm-hmm. And showing up casual is this way. I've been in Colorado most of my life. You yeah. know, Colorado is a pretty casual state, um, and I enjoy that about real estate. You can be, you really can be yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in this office, I feel like I can be myself. I mean, even though Anthony Mescatello looked at me today and he was like, oh, casual Tuesday. <laughs> but then I see you and I'm like, that jacket is awesome. <laughs> it's a great jacket. It's a great jacket. It's the best jacket. And it is casual Tuesday. We went yeah. over that. Yeah. yeah. Why not? So, I yeah. almost put the exact same shirt on the same You have this one? I did. Banana I, Republic Factory? No, I got mine from J. Crew. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Basically, same shirt. But same, yeah. thing. same thing. Same thing. Same company. Company. It really is. Yeah. yeah basically. Is. Okay. Um, well, I guess we wrap this up every time with what are you reading to or listen or not? What are you reading? What are you reading to? to? What, are you- what are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> yes, good <Anything>. question. <laughs> <laughs> what are you reading? What are you listening to? It can be anything, like music, mm. podcasts, whatever. So, I am listening to podcasts. Is really how I spend my time in the in the car right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got this doc. What is it, Doctor Ranjan Chatterjee? He's a mm. British doctor, and his li- his podcast is. Live Better, Do More, I think is the name of it, but I'm sure I butchered that. But anyways, what he does is he brings on a bunch of people that have done pretty incredible things in their lives, um, interviews them. You find the commonalities and the stories that are shared. Um, I also have a buddy that does a podcast for Sober Living. Um, I don't, I, I drink, mm-hmm. but I find his stories that he interviews these people to be super fascinating. And um, so it's a podcast called Recovery Elevator. And as mm-hmm. weird as it is, I listen to it probably like every like, couple episodes a week yeah uh, i think what it helps me stay grounded on is like whether i'm drinking or not drinking like there is all these commonalities in on success and uh i don't know so those are the two podcasts i've been listening to um and books man if you guys have time for reading books like more power to you thank you at this point thank you finally (laughs) someone says it on this show lauren and i have been shamed for episode after episode for being slow readers we got to make sure caroline and kevin hear this totally i mean everyone's like have you read so there's all these books that keller has you know like uh the one thing and stuff yeah right i've been here five out of seven years i've read about 60 percent of that book sure I yeah. should probably read the other 40, but I just don't know where I'm getting the time. You probably get it. <laughs> you know, I feel like it's 60% in the book. You get it. Yeah, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah they're not the hiding any nuggets fine. for the yeah. last third. But I would say like, you got to be surrounding yourself with positive energy, right? Mm-hmm. So what I have realized that, um, this more time I spend in the car, the more time I should be putting into like listening to positive things to improving myself. Sure. Yeah. Um, podcasts are a great way for that. And so I just know that when I'm really on, 
I'm just filling myself with positive energy. And if I'm not on, usually there's a, it trends back to that. Like, hey, you're not doing those things that are making you feel good. Right. You know, right. So. Yep. right. Yeah. You notice good point. it. Yeah. Mindset. It. Yeah. Absolutely. What about you, Sanchez? What do you got going on right now? Um, I've read two books while I was on vacation. Hell so yeah. now I'm taking a little break. Like spy <laughs> novels or? Um, Coho. Colleen Coho. Hoover. Yeah. Co- uh, who? Colleen, Colleen Hoover, <laughs> basically the best-selling author in America she's right now, great. and Co-co. she's completely self-made. I love her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. definitely yeah. like light, easy reads, mm-hmm. and just yeah, plopped my butt on a beach and mm-hmm. read a couple books, and now I don't know about you guys, but I feel like during the holiday seasons, I just get into this rut mm. of like I lose motivation, mm-hmm. and so I'm trying to find ways to pick up that motivation and carry it through the end of the year right totally i mean because in this industry when you are in charge of your own schedule mm-hmm. yeah it's pretty easy to lose that focus so yeah i do agree with that i would say as a principal of the alchemy group <laughs> um you should as my boss work, work harder <laughs> yeah 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 but i think I mean, sometimes it's basically that i agree with that it's hard yeah. right now so like putting a little more hours in scheduling mm-hmm. those open houses doing those right. follow-ups with your past clients and your friends yeah. and stuff like it's all the stuff that's going to lead to a successful Q1, Q2. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. For sure. Stuff you what about now. you, Sam? Um, reading the same novel I've been reading for three months <laughs> and listening to, I just started listening to this podcast called The Gentleman's Journal. Mm-hmm. It's like a British production. I don't know where it comes from or what, but it's a high quality thing. And they they interview entrepreneurs and like a lot of chefs and restaurateurs, which I find very interesting for some reason. Yeah. I don't cook that much. <laughs> but there's this chef, Marco Pierre White. He was like one of the first celebrity chefs. He's an insane person. Yeah. And I love listening to him talk. Number one, he's British. So like, it's just fun. It's a fun accent. And number two, like, I, I kind of love psychos. Mm. Um, and I like listening to what they do and somebody who's successful at one thing that that psychosis that made them successful. I enjoy trying to take what I can from that. Mm. And, uh, so yeah, that's what I've been into. Marco Pierre White. He's, he's a wild one. Nice. Love it. That's basically it. So anyway, thank you, Brady. Yeah, hey, no, you're coming on. This is great. I yeah. assume it's now the three of us doing this every week, right? Yeah, yes. like a new hoping you guys. Yes. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for listening, as always, and we love you guys. Bye. Bye.